Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Media Buddhi A to Z. I'm Divya Chandra and today we're discussing the letter F. We're discussing the terms like fake news, facts, feminism, framing the issue, far right, far left, fascism. Hello, I am Archish Chaudhary and we are recording this episode in the middle of Durga Puja here in Kolkata. So you might just hear our neighborhood puja celebrations just popping up in the mic like like the music in the background right now. We'll enjoy it. Hi, I'm HR Venkatesh and we all work for Boom Fact Check whose website is boomlive.in. Do check our work out. Let's now get into our first word, fake news. I mean it's a term that we are all familiar with it's bandied about to describe almost anything and everything under the sun that comes to us on our devices by way of news information you know communication on whatsapp for example and so on but um to you both i'm asking as uh, as fact checkers when you encounter the term fake news what do you think uh, i'll start with you divya and then archis I think fake news does not articulate what it is supposed to articulate really well in the sense fake news can't be used everywhere in every instance uh, every situation but the problem is nowadays like fake news has become such a drawing room word that everybody would be using fake news let's say people are not aware about misinformation disinformation but everybody will be like if, so let's say if there is a denial also they'll be like oh ye to fake hai this is fake not denial and fake are two different thing fake is like i mean it doesn't exist at all right there's no basis to the claim it's completely fabricated or let's say it's it's a completely cooked up story so there's no basis at all but let's say there is some basis and you know it's just some part of it is misleading i don't think fake news can be used to describe that but a lot of times people just use fake news anywhere and everywhere and it just you know a kind of um, um trivializes the whole thing yeah i i think it's it's like a very umbrella term which really kind of misrepresents what we're really talking about and uh, it has its pros and cons the cons being uh, if we are being very specific and uh, if you want to talk about something very specifically then fake news is really not helpful but uh, if you're having casual discussion and we just want to Uh, highlight this phenomenon you know of you know uh, of this misinformation disinformation and a whole lot of other stuff you know trolling uh, satire a lot of different things then fake news could be an easy way to kind of just touch upon this topic without you know uh, getting into the, into the specificities you know without mentioning all of these uh, things that you know the term fake fake news actually denotes so i i feel that it it has both its uses and its negativities it de- really depends on the situation yeah I, i mean when i do some of these workshops uh, media literacy workshops under media buddhi it's the same thing you know i say if you use the term fake news you're assuming that the problem lies with fake and news and and the combination of the two but the fact of the matter is that a lot of misinformation and disinformation and i'll come to you both for a quick definition of mis and disinformation soon but a lot of what passes for fake news is neither news nor is it sometimes fake sometimes the truth is misrepresented or or you know quoted completely out of context or modified or changed a little bit to uh, to create a completely different picture right so 
the term fake news is not at all accurate in that in that situation yet it's a term that has gained wide currency and we continue to respond to people who use it we try not to use it ourselves uh, but we respond to people who use the term fake news and for colloquial purposes we use the term fake news as well so okay quickly let's talk about disinformation and misinformation arches uh, i'll come to you now sure uh, so misinformation is just the spreading of uh, misleading or false information uh, without the clear uh, intent of doing so uh for example a lot of different times you know uh, you have somebody uh, receiving a message on whatsapp and this person just forwards it uh, kind of believing in what the message says you know and then this message is uh, you know say this message is misleading or false and then this would be a case of misinformation uh, and disinformation would be the uh, the more intentful sharing you know more purposeful sharing of these of bad bad information where you know you're doing it purposefully to deceive others yeah yeah that's that's basically the the the, the how we do this but if you look at uh, uh, a few frameworks out there um some of them started by first draft uh, they look and dice and splice the kinds of information we get into several categories misinformation disinformation uh, to there's something else called malinformation which they say is the use of the truth in the wrong way and then there are seven or eight different ways of splitting that down as well into you know what is without context what is uh, manipulated content and so on and so forth my um, perspective always is let's not get stuck into the definitions uh, because there's always it's it's sometimes very difficult to say that a this is this and this is the not that because sometimes it's both you know what i mean yeah uh, and so in our workshops we tend to say let's not get stuck let's just talk about the idea that fake news is not a very accurate term yeah but we have to live with it oh wait divya i think you want to say something but hold that thought for a second i just want to slip in this term it's a bit like the term madrasi you know i mean no, nobody uses it anymore but at one point in time it used to it used to be used to denote uh, all of south india which is which is inaccurate right all of south india is not madras or chennai but there is some connection there you know what i mean um so it's 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 kind of like that but i would say fake news is even worse than the term madrasi because fake news is sometimes not at all accurate to, to describe what's going on the other example i can quote is uh, you go to especially abroad you go to uh, restaurants uh, and they say indian food and you go in there and you're like uh, okay this is a very broad umbrella and sometimes what is served is not really uh, food that is served anywhere in india it's it's uh, somebody else's imagination of what indian food is so <laughs> when you go to an indian restaurant you've got to watch out for it abroad whether it is actually like indian indian or is it's a reimagination not a very creative reimagination but you know very you know, sort of prosaic or uh, not very good reimagination of indian food it's like calling uh, curry not- as a spice add some <laughs> yeah, curry to the to your uh, you know to your meal <laughs> yeah yeah so i exactly it's exactly that divya yeah no no i completely agree with the madrasi analogy matlab it's like uh, i mean like you said that fake news just is not 
uh, articulate well and does not include everything although it's such it's become such a i mean unfortunately it's become such a layman term and it's such a everyday word that uh, people you know when even when we reach out for uh, confirmations or clarifications to the stakeholders of any fact check story and sometimes you know these celebrities or let's say let's say some uh, you know public personality they tend to say oh no this is fake news now that's not that's not a clarification really you have to really tell us what part of the claim is fake or or it's wrong or it's false you can't just say this is fake news you know sometimes these people tweet also that oh no this is fake news so i mean it that that such a uh, clarification is not even helpful for anybody right yeah you know i think i think we we'll, we can leave it at that and go to another related term which is fact facts and fact checking uh my question is what are facts now that is pretty clear what a fact is but here too there's a little bit of um, you know when you start breaking it down and looking into it there can be some questions asked for example uh, what is a fact uh, depends on the idea of evidence right and the idea of evidence sometimes depends on what kind of evidence you are presenting to establish something as a fact and sometimes that evidence is not ideal but in 95% of the cases i would say uh, it's pretty easy to describe what a fact is and you know a fact is a fact uh, and you you know as there's that famous saying you are entitled to facts you're not entitled to uh, interpretations uh, and 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 stuff like that that's that's a fact and when it comes to another related term truth there's also another difference there there's a difference between the truth and facts um i would say that uh you know if someone were to say my highest truth is god now that is a true statement but it involves the verification of whether there is a god and you know it's it's just it's a matter of faith and belief right so when when you come when you come to it the truth is sometimes can be kind of subjective uh, but facts at least in 95% of the cases facts are not subjective they are objective at least that's the way i see it i don't know what you folks think but i want to ask you another question which is okay we've discussed what a fact is and what is fact you know what ev- uh, truth is and the idea of evidence and all of that but um, what is fact checking and can you explain what fact checking involves uh, at at boom and other fact checking organizations around the world divya first and then we'll come to archis I agree with uh, Divya here like uh, making our steps 
our verification steps replicable is very much the crux of it although sometimes we do uh, perform uh, we do use certain tools or you know we perform certain investigations which cannot maybe carried out by a normal person because maybe they don't have the kind of network or resource you know to get to those people to you know to call up uh, but i mean the, it can be replicable you know if you put in enough uh, effort uh, you know for example calling the cops you know like anybody can call the call the cops and ask certain questions you don't have to be part of the media so at the end of the day if you use the same tools that we use the idea is uh, that yes you will arrive at the same conclusion yeah in that sense fact checking is closer to the scientific method than the journalistic method uh is it's it's something that we've talked about previously on this podcast as well uh okay archis i'm going to ask you it's going to be a bit of a googly okay but these days we hear we hear terms or not we we, we encounter terms mai left ka fact checker hu aap right ka fact checker ho i mean what is the meaning of all this <laughs> yeah so uh, so yeah i mean <laughs> i'm not going to name any names here but there are entities that exist who uh, who align with a certain ideological spectrum in their fact checking now of course when you when it comes to fact checkers themselves you they will have their own ideologies uh, but uh, you know a very important part of fact checking is to leave your biases away and we do that by uh, removing any kind of opinion you know or interpretation of what we did and we really leave it to the readers to think uh, to kind of you know uh, to understand whatever they want to from the, the 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 steps that we took and as i said these steps are replicable so uh, ideally this person would be arriving at the same conclusion as us so it really doesn't matter you know whether you're from the left or the right and uh, and i guess yeah i guess if you are into you know being called as you know left or right wing fact checker then i guess you're more of an activist than a fact checker i would say then you're doing more activism uh, left or right wing activism then in that case then just simple fact checking of course you know you you could be doing the same thing you could be you know uh, uh, verifying certain information but when the moment you start providing your own inputs your own opinion your own interpretation it it changes the nature of the fact checks and it's really one of the ma- major principles of uh, you know ifcn's fact checking guidelines you know is to not put any opinion in our pieces yeah it's something uh, that's worth pointing out uh, we at boom we follow the ifcn that is the international fact checking networks guidelines on how we do fact checks so we are not allowed to insert any uh opinion at all into our fact checks i guess what people mean by when they say you know th- there are right fact checkers of the right it is that you know um the right i've seen especially tends to pick some issues to fact check and not pick some issues to fact check so the fact checking process itself may be kosher in some cases maybe okay in some cases but the fact that they choose certain claims to fact check and not certain claims to fact check makes them right um whereas ideally one should fact check everything whether it is on the political spectrum of the left or the right or economically it's to the left or the right uh and and we try to do that here at boom uh and that's why i think the term in any case this right ka fact checker left ka fact checker turns up and this is of course something we will continue to talk about and discuss but we've run through fake news we've run through 
facts. We've talked about truth. We've talked about fact checking. Um, what's next, Divya? Next is feminism. Ah. Yeah, the word, and with a word which I think everybody has their own interpretations and their own definitions, probably. But uh, you know when yeah. yeah, you know when I was um, kind of like seeing you know what all has been written on feminism and feminists so i came across this really old article by the new york times it's actually from their archives and it was published in 1975 so it was on what is a feminist and it has a very interesting line that it, it it mentioned that there are probably as many definitions i mean of the word feminist as there are women now obviously the larger picture that the article spoke about and even you know what what the word feminist means is about equality between the sexes you know it's not i mean a lot of people uh, consider it as a as a term or as let's say as a concept to do something to do with women uh, but uh, by by and large it's basically about equality between the sexes now um now i mean there's there's this often there's a, deba- a debate like about um let's say people say that okay men are men and women are not same so how can they be equal now same could be basically maybe because physically they are not same or let's say emotionally they are not same but i don't think the word same like the sameness uh, concept is e- is equal to equality right i mean you can i mean two individuals irrespective of the sexes cannot be same but obviously everyone's equal like they at least they should be equal so just because somebody uh, i mean two people are not same i don't think it's got anything to do with equality per se but uh, since it's about both the sexes and i mean it's a question for both of you now how what is what is feminism for men i mean how is it on the other side hmm who wants to go first go ahead go ahead please right um it's like yeah it's an interesting question and i i love the way you 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 said it's about both sexes and so of course uh, feminism is important for men as well i mean half the world is men half the world is women or i mean you want to include uh, non binary yeah. uh, and we must include non binary uh, people then it you can see it more as a spectrum um but even then even if you see it as a spectrum there are lots there's a huge majority that identifies itself as uh you know cis and uh, you know also when it comes to uh, matters of sexuality uh, a huge majority is cis het right so i'm just using that term men and women in that sense uh, from a massive uh, majority of the population perspective now that that shouldn't be confused anyway with the, uh, the idea of feminism because the idea of feminism from what i've been given to understand from what i've read is that as you said divya it it includes everybody right so everyone can be a feminist and the idea is it's about being kind to yourself and being kind to other people i mean that's the most basic way i i i can i've learned to put it and of course people will be like uh, men will many men will be like okay if you're saying it's about equality if you you know if you're talking about you know being kind to yourself and being kind to other people why do we need a word like feminism why do we need a word like feminist so that's where sometimes i get stuck and the answer i give myself is that well we used to live or we continue to live under what is uh what is called patriarchy right which is uh, an invisible set of uh, 
rules or guidelines or codes um, that regulate our lives. And the patriarchy ensures that women follow certain rules and uh, uh, rules and men also follow certain roles and rules and these are mostly unwritten and unspoken of rules that we've been following for centuries and that's why we tend to not see the inequality but the moment you kind of lift the veil and you can show inequality for what it is then everyone understands that oh there is there is inequality you know there's 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 a nice analogy that i came across which is the whole whole idea of liberal versus conservative the the comparison between liberal and conservative at one point it kind of looks ridiculous right when you start comparing comparing you know being liberal or being conservative but because at one level we are all liberal if someone asks us to curtail our choices you know we're happy to live within the rules we've prescribed for ourselves or rules that we've inherited because of the society we live in or the culture that we live in but the moment someone else tries to impose their rules on us we we rebel we don't want that right so at a very basic level we we are all liberal we don't want to live according to somebody else's rules it's the same thing um if you think about it we are all i think by default uh you know many of us are any any anyway feminists we may not use the term feminism uh and we may not uh we may misunderstand the term feminism but it's like hey just like we all we all want choice uh you know and, th- and that's why we are all at the at, you know uh, we are all liberal similarly i i feel in a way it's it's worth kind of conceding that we are all feminists anyway I agree you know back uh, almost 10 years ago you know when I uh, met my wife then my girlfriend uh, I didn't really understand the the term feminism much and uh, you know she identified as a feminist and the more she told me about it uh, I I realized that the, the kind of values that I had developed back then it was very congruent with whatever she was saying so I naturally uh, came to identify myself as a feminist at that point and uh, for a male i'd say for a especially for a cis het male uh, feminism is a lot about allyship is about being allies because it's really fighting fighting against the oppression of anyone who's not cis het male you know and you know not just women in the traditional sense but you know the whole spectrum uh, in the in the gender and uh, i think when it talk about victims of 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 patriarchy obviously we the first victim that comes to mind are, are women but uh, even cis het males can be victims of patriarchy because you know when you talk about traditional values or traits of masculinity and uh, femininity you know when you talk about these kind of traits i think it's not that males cannot have any feminine traits or you know like male males need to be fully masculine uh, i think that is also extremely harmful for men as well you know that makes them into like like really horrible creatures and i think we all know what what i'm talking about you know we have all experienced or seen uh, these kind of traits come out either you know on tv or you know really in our lives so the, the fight is for everybody it's not just a fight for women it's not just a fight for the non binary it's also a fight for cis het males and uh, you know that and that's why i say you know that we need to be allies in this fight yeah exactly i mean it shouldn't be one side again one versus another you know there's this common belief yeah. that uh, i mean it's a popular notion that uh, feminism because it's seen as a very women centric uh, movement so it will just throw all the men out of the world types i mean that's what women want you know such things so it's sometimes exactly. seen as a very radical movement 
but i don't think the idea is to throw anybody out of the world it's about living in the same coexisting in the same space with you know both, both, uh, both i mean all the all the sexes having the same uh, equal rights yeah you know I, I, there is you know each person i suppose discovers um uh you know who accepts the idea of feminism discovers it in their own particular way and one uh, eye opening um, anecdote from my life is uh you know when i found out about how uh, jeans you know the garment that may, many of us wear on a daily basis right so how jeans are made so i realized that um you know i was like okay there are men's jeans and then there are women's jeans right and they're pretty much the same but no uh, when you think about it when i wear my jeans uh, you know i keep my phone in it i keep my wallet in it i keep my keys in it uh, the 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 pockets are really uh, comfortable and they're large but uh, women's jeans for very long i think maybe even now the pockets are basically just accessories or or uh, decorations right they're not at all function you can't even slip in uh, an entire phone into some of these jeans uh, it'll be poking out why is that so who designed it that way we don't even uh, have pockets most... for like most of the times there are no pockets yeah i have a funny story on this you know i was once visiting a, a second hand store in in amsterdam and you know i spotted these amazing pair of jeans that really fitted me perfectly it was a perfect color and then i checked that the pockets are just like small i can't even put my fingers in it you know like and then i realized oh wait and then my friend tells me uh, she, she tells me that oh wait this is uh, this is for females and uh, this is our this is how it is for us and then i realized oh man this is this is a this is not fair at not all not at all not at all <laughs> why would you do that there <laughs> exactly. should be a movement for pockets i'm telling you i think there is i think there is already such a oh. movement <laughs> yeah and then uh, so that's the jeans thing i mean i i also want to so i was listening to um, you know the publisher uh, urvashi butalia speak um the other day and um, and i think this was at that at the podcast another podcast by amit varma seen and the unseen but i'm not 100% sure and so she was saying that there are two other aspects where the whole idea of uh the world being unequal is is completely not seen by most men right jeans is one most men don't realize this similarly it's uh, the issue of microphones when you go to a um a classroom or a lecture or something and that you want to give a, a lecture at and you you're given a microphone that you're supposed to clip clip to your uh, shirt what if you're not wearing a shirt what if you're not wearing a blazer what if you're wearing a sari where are you going to clip that uh, microphone right so that again is an issue of designing something for men but thinking it is equally uh, useful for everybody else the other question um the other thing that she brought up uh, or maybe it was amit who brought it up was that um air conditioning um you know in offices when in the 1950s or 60s uh, there was some research conducted by these massive air conditioning companies about what is the optimum temperature for uh, offices so they designed uh, office temperature air conditioners to run at a particular temperature that is more comfortable for men than women you know so i have also noticed personally when i've been to offices that uh, more women tend to say i'm feeling cold as opposed to more men is it because a the the assumption was that um, 
you know uh, the optimum temperature was decided by a bunch of men and therefore it is more useful for men is that the case yeah I, there's a there's a good reason that's the case and it's the same thing for practically designing anything uh, again urushi uh, butalia was talking about uh, cars and how they're designed and they're not designed for shorter people and women tend to be shorter people of course increasingly that is not so uh, because you know nutrition has caught up and that kind of thing but cars are designed such that the brakes and the accelerator and the clutch is too far away you know and that women have to look for particular cars where the that distance is not that much so it's essentially living in a world that is designed by men and for men that is just one example that shows how um, you know it's 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 it shows how uh, the world we live in is patriarchal i mean that's the way i came into it at least and that's my personal way of looking at it right as they say right when there's a silence uh, it's either that and we are with the three of us we are colleagues and friends so it doesn't apply to us but generally when you're speaking to someone um it is uh, when there's a silence it means people either agree entirely with what you said or they didn't understand a word of what you said no no i think i think it's uh, the no, former no, no, it's the former yeah. <laughs> no no i i just say it doesn't apply to us because we're friends and colleagues and this is not an audience so to speak yeah. in any case i think it's worth um, revisiting the issue of feminism because and and really call people who are experts at it um you know um and do an issue uh, do an episode of media buddhi a to z entirely devoted to uh, this issue and call in a number of people let's see if if that's possible we'll certainly uh, explore uh, that possibility and now i suppose it's on to the next word what do we have framing the issue okay so um you know i wanted to talk about how issues are framed in the media and how we frame something is literally how it is perceived um and i don't want this to be confused with the terms frame of reference or the other term framing effect which is a type of cognitive bias uh, you know we couldn't get to that but i just want to talk about the common noun use of the word frame you know just like the way you frame a photograph or painting the way you present it in other terms alters the perception of the person viewing the photo or painting similarly the fr- the way you frame an issue influences the perception of the person viewing or reading the news uh, or you know if it's a whatsapp message the way you frame an issue affects that person so there are i want to talk about two uh, hilarious examples one is hilarious one is super serious and i'll start with the hilarious example don't take it too seriously but it kind of sets up what i mean so i saw an instagram reel the other day in which there is a clip of a comedian called avital ash i, I don't know if i'm pronouncing her first name correctly so she's doing a stand up routine and in that routine she says and i quote she says i think we should replace the word rapist with raper uh, i would like for it to sound more like murderer killer traitor and less like artist therapist florist okay so it's 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 funny i mean in a stand up routine uh, where you're in a crowd and you expect jokes it, it it is kind of funny but it kind of hits the mark as well right the way issues are framed um kind of affect the way we think about them and this is not a 
good example is just a hilarious example. So I, I wanted to start with it because I'm not actually advocating for such a change because we haven't looked at other knock-on effects of doing so. But in almost all cases, when we see in the media, the way issues are presented, the way they're framed, this is an this is a major issue. And another example is the current um, India-Australia um, yeah, India-England series, uh, the women's matches in cricket that recently happened in which uh, the bowler, Deepti Sharma, ran out Charlie Dean. Uh, and, and, and this is controversial. And there are two examples of the way we frame issues connected with it. The first is, um, anyway, so she runs out um, uh, Charlie Dean, who is at the non-striker's end. And the correct term for it is that she ran out the non-striker. And this happens in cricket when the batter at the non-striker's end is backing up away from the crease when the bowler is bowling. And they do that in order to ensure that they run a shorter distance. And the colloquial term for it is Munkading, named after uh, one of India's fam- f- cricketing legends, Vinu Munkad. Uh, and because he did, he, he did so once. So this is the first instance I was talking about where the framing the issue as one of monkading, um, and, and and I say it's 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 an informal use, but it is widely used. So framing the issue as one of monkading makes it seem like Vinu Munkad was the first guy to run somebody out using this technique, uh, which is not true at all. People were being run out like this much, much before he did it. But this has quite literally become the legacy of Vinu Mankad and it's reflected in the use of this term. It's a poor framing of the issue. And let's remember, this is a legal way of running a person out. It's just seen as a as an immoral way uh, for... For, for reasons that we will we will see and which brings me to the second example um, as I said even even though this method of dismissal is legal it is widely seen as immoral and the world over there were huge reactions of outrage that the Indian team did this but interestingly and and in a, happily in a painstakingly put together Twitter thread uh, a person called Peter Della Pena used dozens of screenshots of the actual match to show that the English cricketer Charlie Dean was backing up or, you know, walking away from the crease even before Deepti and other bowlers were delivering the ball. She did it some 71 times before she was actually run out. In contrast, her own batting partners, uh, that is the other England cricketers, they did not do so. They did not back up or they did not back up so much. So when you look at it in that context, you see that a person is kind of taking unfair advantage of a rule, you see that what India did was correct. And India was at the receiving end of a certain kind of snobbishness. Uh, I don't know what to call it, if snobbishness is the right term. But when you change the way you frame an issue, you're likely to see India's perspective. So the example from a political perspective uh, is the way the issue of minority appeasement is framed in India. It is framed as if the Indian state and the Indian government over the last few decades has bent over backwards to give Indian Muslims special rights um, that Hindus don't enjoy. Now, it is true that various Indian governments have appeased the Muslim vote bank and most infamously in the case of Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi who ensured that Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses, was banned even before you know Iran woke up to, to issue that really infamous fatwa. Um, and why is that? Because Muslim clerics opposed the book and, you know, uh, Rajiv Gandhi wanted to appease 
those votes. So that's a very, very famous example. But to say that minority appeasement is wide-ranging and using that as an excuse to ignore attacks or encourage legislation that is meant to put like pressure or dabaab on Indian Muslims, that is not accurate. Because if you look at how much Muslims in, in India get and their position in India society, you know, how many of them are represented in parliament, in, uh, you know, in state legislatures, in different levels, uh, jobs, etc. You know that there is no appeasement. It's quite the opposite, right? But the issue has been framed as one of minority appeasement and it's kind of quite stuck there. So that's just like a mini, I, I won't even call it a rant, but I just wanted to talk about the idea of frame of reference. Uh, any reactions from you both or, you know, uh, we could probably move on to the next word as well. No, I think it's true that uh, it affects, it's, it's something that the viewers are not quite aware of. But it affects a lot about how we understand things. And, you know, it happens on a daily basis on our news channels and on uh, several news websites that we see. So it really, it's, it's worth it to really read up on what the framing issue is, you know, and understand how framing works in, in news media. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, it's basically shaping up public opinion. So it's definitely very important to understand this. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to our last word. So our last word is far. And uh, what do I mean by that? I mean far right and far left. Now, of course, you may have all heard about these words, you know, on media, on social media. And uh, I think it's quite important to understand what far means here, what this uh, prefix means here. And uh, before we really go into them, let's let's quickly go over... Uh, you know kind of what left and right means in the first place so you know what, what are its origins anyway um if i remember right i think left and right originated in the french parliament where i think the conservative section used to sit on the right side uh, and the liberal section used to sit on the left side so that's where the term left and right came into being uh, so kind of left became loosely and increasingly uh, less loosely connected to the idea of liberal and right became, you know, uh, connected to the term conservative. And we can get into, um, you know, what that means in India's perspective. But if you have anything else to say about left and right, do, 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 do go for it, Arches Divya. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, you know, uh the, the left is usually about breaking social hierarchy uh, and the right is about preserving social hierarchy. So, you know, that's why they're called conservatives. You know, they want to save conservative values, uh, traditions uh, and uh, the left. They want to, you know, kind of uh, break these uh, social uh, social hierarchies, which they believe are unfair and, you know, introduce social welfare, uh, improve equality. So and that, that's how I understand the, the, the both both these uh, different spectrums. Yeah, I mean, um, from an Indian perspective, again, you know, the left would up, uh, you know would refer to communism, or economically speaking, I mean, the welfare state. The right could is is loosely is used to denote the the Hindu right, um, and but also world over, the right the word right is associated with the free market. Uh, so the term left and right, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't fit very well into India's politics to describe what's going on. Because, you know, if you think about it, um, BJP and the Congress, they're 
they're op- they're opposed to each other they're on opposite ends but they're both conservative economically right uh, and they, you know the, uh, if you look at the record they also equally conservative when it comes to social ideas uh, social liberalism um, uh, both the congress and the bjp so if they are identical on these matters the only way consistently that is consistently speaking in which they are different is on how what they perceive is the role of religion in administering the affairs of a country or the role of using hindutva so the axis on which india's politics kind of runs is not left or right so much as you know the whole hindutva versus quote and quote secularism thanks venkatesh actually that's a pretty accurate portrayal of what left and right is in india so now when we add far to these words how does it change you know and uh, the one thing that comes to my mind is extremism so you take the values of the left and the right and you take extreme measures to put them in place you know politically socially uh, and you know the one thing about far left and far right you know in history that they are very similar in nature so let's let's compare two very famous far left and far right governments a uh, far right government we'll take as you know nazi germany the far right government you know and uh, for far left we'll take democratic kampuchea which is basically the the khmer rouge government that was in power in the 70s uh, in cambodia and uh, so of course the first one is far right as i said the second one is far left but they had so many things in common they were both totalitarian governments uh, they both had complete military control uh, they had you know paramilitary troops to you know kind of enforce their values uh, there was complete suppression of freedom there were genocides taking place and there was war so uh, so when you take extreme measures doesn't matter what your values are at the end of the day it turns into the same thing right you, you when you start taking violent measures to enforce your values basically and uh, even in recent times you know when we have we have seen quite a lot of similarities among the far right and the far left you know uh, and an example would be the gilets jaunes protest in france uh, it's also known as the yellow vests protest which happened in 20- 2018 against the macron government and uh, it, it started off initially as a protest against economic injustice and eventually you know it was a protest for political reform now there were a lot of polls done and it was found that very few people present there had actually voted for macron you know the year before in 2017 uh, most actually didn't vote and those who did vote voted either far left or far right you know candidates like uh, jean luc melenchon or marine le pen and these protests turned extremely violent and uh, they are considered as the most violent protests since the the May 1968 protests in Nanterre in in France in France uh, so the the word far here is really about extremism you know now now that we have kind of established these two words you know far right far left we'll come to the other f word which is fascism and it is a very very negative word you know it describes the axis powers in the the second world war especially the nazis uh of course not the japanese they weren't really associated with the term but the italians and the nazis and although the term originated in mussolini's italy italy uh it was really hitler and the nazi germany who kind of popularized the, the fascist uh, term you know so what what do you think about that mm. yeah i mean um 
Yeah, it's a it's a, it's it's kind of a scary word because no one wants to be associated with it, right? The way the the most frequent area in which I encountered the term fascist in recent years is when you see someone on Twitter calling someone out as being fascist, right? So of course it's one of the most politically incorrect views to have right now no one really wants to be associated with this word and i understand that even those who are part of neo nazi groups now are careful not to call themselves fascist openly at least uh, and i guess fascism is defined as being like far right or is is it is there something like ultra far right or it's ultra nationalist another um, um characteristic is it's very it's very pro military and often opting for total military control also extremely dictatorial so i guess this is what fascism these are the kind of uh, echoes of fashion is fascism in my mind this is what it kind of evokes for me and it kind of brings me to the other it's not an word starting with f but there is this movement called the anti far movement right so what is that how is that related to fascism uh, any thoughts on that arches yeah it's it's actually very much linked to fascism and that's why it's important that we discuss this word here uh, anti far is simply anti fascism and as i understand the term it's you know uh, it's the opposite of fascism wherever there is fascism there is anti fascism uh, it's basically the resistance to fascism whenever fascism comes or whenever fascist tendencies arise in society uh, in and i remember trump uh, trying in i think 2020 or 2019 trying to ban antifa groups for terrorism uh, but the fbi declined saying that there is no such group because antifa is not a specific group it's more of a movement and ideology and it is very much defined by fascism itself uh, and you know it's just resistance to fascism so naturally it is far left and uh, antifa for groups often choose to respond to far right violence through equal amount of violence you know so uh, they are seen as very radical in nature and uh, they originate you know the 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 the, the, orig- the 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 term kind of dates back to germany during the peak of the fascist nazi movement and uh, it got its name from the anti fascistis aktion uh which was basically a far left militant organization so you know back in the time the nazis had kind of deployed the ss or the schutzstaffel and there were a paramilitary organization who very violently set out to establish nazi german values in society and so this uh, anti fascist action they hit back with equal amount of violence so they were resisting so this is kind of we could say that you know it's newton's third law of motion in place you know like every action has an equal and opposite reaction and fascism being such an extreme movement you're just seeing uh, resistance and equally extreme resistance on the other side if that makes sense yeah true also like uh, venkatesh mentioned about the f word another f word called fringe elements you know very often uh, proponents of far right or far left groups are you know they are called fringe elements in the mainstream media and this happens when such type of politics is still not a part of mainstream yeah, politics yeah yeah true uh, so you know for example uh, people part of the naxal movement will be called fringe elements uh, people uh, beating up others in the name of protecting cows they'll be called fringe elements so uh, there are different types of fringe elements and you know they're usually defined by uh, taking violent actions 
so there are those fringe elements, you know, who are usually opposed to the direction where the politics is heading. So say if things are moving towards the right, as we talked about in India, uh, then the, the leftist fringe elements will face immense crackdown. You know, they'll get arrested and, uh, you know, for their acts. However, if you're a fringe element that go with the flow, you know, and you belong to the ideology where the general political wave is heading, then you may get away with doing such stuff. So uh, beating up people uh, in the name of cop protection might not get you as uh, strong a punishment as, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, trying to, you know, take matters in your own hand uh, to protect, you know, say, uh, uh, Adivasi community, uh, you know, or things like that, you know. Yeah, kind of makes sense. I'd like to chew more on it and think more about it. And these are all, of course, issues that we will come back again and again uh, using different words. There's the other word, which is toxic, right? And when we come to the letter T, I suppose we'll come to the word toxic. So you have toxic left, you have toxic right, you have toxic mm-hmm. wokeness. <laughs> you have the word toxic literally applied to everything. And it kind of makes sense that toxic and non-toxic way of look, looking at things. It reminds but me of a- Britney Spears though, <laughs> when you say toxic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think um, uh, fair to say that uh, Britney Spears um, sang the song Toxic and also faced a lot of toxicity yes. for years. Oh huh? my God, yeah. So, <laughs> in, in any case, we, these are issues we'll come back to again and, and again and again. That was the point I wanted to make. And um, uh, next episode, we'll, we'll tackle words starting with G. And um, again, I... This is a disclaimer I'd like to make, which is, you know, we have this con- conversation here. Um, it's like a drawing room conversation. And we're just s- setting up the frame, so to speak, to talk about these issues. Now, sometimes we might not give the right, the correct example. Sometimes we may not have understood the term quick uh, quite correctly, in which case this is an open invitation for you all to join the conversation, you know, either by writing into us or maybe saying, you know what, I have something important to say. Uh, Can I be interviewed for this podcast? We would love to do that. And if you want to do so, or if you have any suggestions for any words you want us to talk about, write into us on podcasts at boomlive.in and you can subscribe to Boom's podcast on platforms like Apple and Spotify and basically everywhere. Thanks for listening.